are listening to Historically, a podcast where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. I'm your host, Esha. Today, we have Miguel Arjuna Sanchez. And do you still work in the University of Granada? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, so can you tell everyone a little bit about your research and what your main topic of interest is? Absolutely, yes. I am professor in constitutional law at the University of Granada, that is in Spain, one of the oldest universities in the world. And my subject, my interest in, in the constitutional uh, money, what we call is constitutional money, basically is try to understand what money means to a society and try to democratize this kind of, of instrument of a society. For those of you who didn't hear the last interview, what exactly mm-hmm. is money? That's very interesting. Historically, what means money have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. We have different theories about the origin of money, but we can say that money is a kind of relationship between a, a person in a society. That's basically what, what money means. Apparently, it's a natural uh, relationship, but uh, when you study the subject, when you study what means money, you can see that it's not really neutral. So try to democratize this kind of relationship in a society is what we try to do because uh, well, I believe uh, every power has to be under the constitution, under the power of the constitution. Um, uh, historically, the relationship that money can create is, is double. You have, you can see a relationship uh, between money and the rest of the components for a society. And then you have another relationship is between um, the money and the central power, people who produce money. That basically the two kinds or two types of uh, relationship that money is uh, capable of to, to create it. Mother money is based in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in debt. And basically this debt is the kind of relationship that money can produce in a society. But we have other kind, other type of, of, of money, what we call the metallist or commodity money, that was based in uh, apparently power of a metal apparently uh, obsession for gold or, or, or silver or another kind of, of metal. Um, but basically, it's a kind of relationship. Okay. Um, so I'm glad you explained it's a kind of relationship. So Spain did not always have the euro. I believe it came sometime 2000, 2002. And before it had the peseta. Yes, we have, that was our, our currency, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So how exactly... Most people don't understand that a lot of things changed in Spain when they moved from the peseta to the euro. So can you talk a little bit about what happened there? Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. Yeah, uh, Peseta wasn't a very strong money, but was our money. That means that it was a money created by the central bank, the Spanish bank, the Bank of Spain, and the Spanish treasury. The treasurer, sorry. But uh, when we decide to go to, to be part of the euro, basically we have a dependency because the, our money uh, wasn't produced, it, it, it won't produce for us a, a Spanish central bank, but for, for a European central bank. So that basically represents that we lost uh, what we call monetary sovereignty. And, and how did that change uh, the economy or how things were run in Spain? Well, that means that um, we are so, uh, we are part of a of a framework or of a kind of uh, rules mm, very based in uh, what we call the neoliberal theories that try to create a money 
that's uh, it's the euro, mm, based in the gold standard. Uh, I call that the nostalgia of Europe, the European, the European nostalgia for the gold standard. And the euro is running as um, gold standard uh, money. And that's created a lot of problems for the uh, deficit countries in the European Union, basically the countries who are, are deficitarian in, in trade with the rest of the European Union, as Spain it is. So, for example, we call, well, basically the, the, the press called us the pigs, you know, Portugal, Italy, Greece. Ah, Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Spain. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. It was the other country in the Iberican Peninsula, but Italy or Greece or even Ireland because uh, we have been submitted our state in the in in, um, in austerity policies this scarcity of money creates a lot of problems from our economy basically because we have a lackness of liquidity so an economy can't uh, work without money is uh, as, as a body can't work without blood so this is actually a really interesting so a trade deficit is created because the other countries in the union send a more, I, I guess, industrialized material, while Spain sends out a little bit more raw material. Is that it? Absolutely, yes. And tourism. You know, we are a country in uh, specialized in services in Europe because of our weather, our culture, our gastronomy, you know, our food. But uh, that's basically the problem, exactly. The different level of industrialization of our economies. We have a union currency, but we haven't got a union economy. A real economy is divided, is specialized, is not common. Okay, let's just go a little back in history. For a long time, um, Spain had a quasi-fascist dictator, Franco, and then until about 1975, Portugal also had that kind of a dictator. Um, mm -hmm. But then in the late, according to your paper, in the mid to late 80s, they were talking about a union with an Iberian union with Portugal as opposed to the European Union. Can you talk a little bit about that? Basically, the idea of uh, the Spanish intellectuals until the beginning of the, of the 20th century is to create a, um, only a nation, a country, a state uh, that will uh, complete the Peninsula Iberica, you know, the Iberian Peninsula. It's basically the union between Portugal and Spain. That was the idea. But at the beginning of the 20th century, this idea is uh, part of the past, if you want, because the uh, European uh, process consumed these kind of ideas, if you want to, to say like this, you know? So in the European uh, Union agreements, I guess, the thing is that you kind of have to open up every market. So it means if potatoes are cheaper in Germany, you're going to have to open it up and let them sell it in Spain, driving the locals out of business and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So now how did Portugal get integrated into the European Union? And does it have the same problems as Spain? That's very interesting. It's an historical aspect of our transition. You know, Portugal and Spain had two dictatorships. Uh, but uh, uh, Portugal uh, became a democracy before Spain uh, have uh, our transition to go to a democracy. And uh, the result of this, uh, this process was very important to the elites, to the establishment in Spain. Basically, the colonial wars of Portugal uh, transformed the army, the Portugal army, and the political process to arrive to a democracy 
was uh, a coup d'etat made for the new army. You want the new uh, ideologies of army, uh, very leftist, very uh, some of the members was part of the Communist Party, etc. In Spain, the elites, um, even information services of the CIA, etc., in, in in America was involved, tried to stop any any possibility to go to a democracy for that way. So the obsession of the elite establishment in Spain and Western countries was trying to have a peaceful um, uh, and very uh, Western democracy in Spain, very far to any uh, lefty possibility of, if you want, to, to any emancipatory policies, neo policies in, in the south of Europe. You have to think that uh, Italy, Spain and Portugal have privileged position in the, of the point of view of the geopolitical geographies you want. And that was the obsession of the establishment and the Western countries. This part of obsession is uh, part uh, to be part of the European Union because the European Union represent in that time represent um, part of the foreign American foreign foreign policy. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because we just finished an episode about Operation Gladio where they had to do so many things to finagle whatever system came out in Italy. Um, I guess the next question I have is the European Union is very unsustainable. Well, in a way that it creates national inequality. There's a big difference between Spain, Greece, and say Germany and the Netherlands. So how did that happen to be? Like, how did they end up creating a system where it's very unequal for certain countries while it's very advantageous for others? It's easy to, to, to understand. If you, study, if you have studied what we call the Hamilton moment in the American Revolution and the creation of the United States, you can understand what uh, happens in, the, in that moment in, in, in Europe. At the beginning of the, um, uh, of the process, you have to think that Europe was part of a strategy of the Americans to have what we call two auxiliary areas for the dollar. Americans know perfectly how the economy works after the Keynesian, Keynesian ideas and the New Deal uh, economies. And they understand that what we need the world to have um, a healthy economy is try to have a monetary, the international monetary fund that uh, give uh, liquidity to the, to the world. But uh, they study very well what was the role of the sterling pound and trying to do the same. Uh, that means that the uh, new institution, the Bretton Woods Institution, created uh, a dollar based in the gold. You know, this uh, what we call the dollar gold standard because the change, the change between the dollar and the gold standard was uh, fixed by, by law. But basically, that represents the problem of when the American economy going to a crisis uh, needs uh, a demand. And that's the reason because Japan and Germany represent uh, a places for invest the surpluses of the American economy to have the demand necessary in case of a financial or trade crisis in in United States. In that moment, in that moment, uh, the American economy and you want created um, the strong economy as Germany is and Japan. But after the Vietnam War, because the extraordinary expenditure of the Vietnam War and the racial problems in America, USA became deficit country. That changed absolutely the uh, foreign policy economy of the United States and they transformed the economy, try to do a recycling of surpluses of the rest of the world that have to go to 
uh, America to complete the double deficit uh, strategy of the American economy policy. That means the beginning of the neoliberalism as a new ideology that uh, can do that possible from the point of view of the ideas, and that represents the possibility to maintain the dollar as a world currency. Euro have a, a reaction, a very strong reaction at the beginning, try to conserve the old order, the old monetary order, the Bretton Woods institution, mm -hmm. inside the European Union. That we call, the, if you want, to create a Bretton Woods European Union. That was basically uh, considered the center of this area, the uh, German mark, and have a fixed ex exchange with the rest of the currencies, the European currencies. That's uh, finally is the beginning of the euro, the idea to have an area uh, protective of the rest of the world. But what happened with this idea? This idea was created with these uh, ideas of the Keynesian uh, ideology, etc. But during the, the, the time of the negotiation, etc., was transformed by the news and strong uh, neoliberalist ideas. Finally, we try to, to have a fixed exchange, you know, as the euro is, but without a treasure and without um, a treasury, sorry, and without a real European Central Bank, because this, the European Central Bank wasn't the real last resort, how do you say that, the, um, who have to, to support the, 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 the the depths of the different states. Oh, the, the last resort for oh, okay. So they were they were they were like the IMF of the European Union. Exactly. I forget. Sorry, I forgot the. I have forgot the. the forgotten the, the. They control the deficits. Exactly. Or the trade imbalances. Exactly. So that's the 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 creation of the of the euro was a creation of a Frankenstein currency, because we create a money that have to work as uh, the world. Uh, Apparently, work in the past, but we know that isn't uh, true because uh, England is the responsible to give liquidity to the gold standard uh, around the world. Secondly, without uh, European bonds, uh, without the treasure, without debt in commons. Um, uh, with the financial crisis during the 2007, basically everything was disrupted. The new president of the European Central Bank, Mr. Draghi, transformed or tried to transform these rules uh, creating, um, uh, transforming the, um, the European Central Bank and the, and the lander of rural resort. But uh, the treaties wasn't uh, changed. And the situation is that we have a European Central Bank buying the debt of, different, of the different um, national debts, but without the support of the treaty, without a real and common treasury. And that's the situation now. After the pandemic crisis, uh, we have new ideas about what will, could happen. But the reality is that basically we are working with a currency that is foreigner of uh, the different countries, uh, with a strong position of Germany, um, with a dark future for, uh, for the currency if we can transform our euro in a real currency. That's the beginning of uh, that's the needs uh, political solidarity. And that's uh, need what we call the Hamilton moment. We obtain, uh, we can um, enrich a Hamilton moment. Europe could, could have a future. It know will be impossible. Was there like a national ballot or anything where any member nations democratically approved of the system? Well, basically, we. Uh, that's, that's a very good question. European European Union is not a real democracy. Uh, what is happening? Uh, Federalists, the people who believe in the European, in a, in a united and federal uh, European Union, consider that it's a transition period. 
So we have to pay these prices because uh, obtaining these new institutions, political uh, solidarity, etc., in this time. Uh, at the same time, we have to see that we have elites, establishment, they are very, very, very comfortable with this situation. That is it's a problem for the democracy because we are, um, we can say destroying, but uh, um, uh, affecting our kind of a level of democracy. That's the real problem what we have. We are deteriorating our democracies because uh, when you have a decision have take for a national parliament, have a second superficial of the commission because commission, even without the competence and transfer, have the key for any policy, that is the creation of money. Without creation of money, a state is something very, very light. And uh, any European nation, probably with the exception of Germany, because it's the center of the European currency, have a monetary sovereignty. So it's only two roads, two, only two possibilities to transform Europe with uh, federal institutions, creating a common treasury, um, transform the European Central Bank in a real lender of last resort, with a, probably a solidarity principle, etc. That uh, is basically the creation of a nation. The creation of the United States was like this for Alexander Hamilton. Or this system will um, be destroyed for the next um, global crisis even if it's exogenous, even if uh, the origin is not in Europe. That doesn't matter. Next crisis will need this kind of thing. That's the reason for the pandemic uh, has transformed a little bit this possibility. The European Central Bank is uh, acting, is working as a lender of last resort. Um, for the moment, we are, for the first time in our history, an European Union bond. But the future is not clear after the decision of the uh, Federal and Constitutional Court in Germany, which demand the reform of the German constitution to give the permission for this kind of transformation. And this is very hard in a country with a extreme right uh, party, anti-European, um, a lot of critics. Uh, at the same time, we have to see the establishment is very comfortable in this kind of policy of politics because um, they are transforming what we call the European social model. That basically is what we call the welfare state after the Second World War. We are destroying our model, our social model, uh, copying the, the American model. In a moment, that Americans try to fight for having a, a more European model, you know, with healthcare, public healthcare for everyone, for all, etc., etc. So now I, I think I'm already seeing some cracks in the union It's funny because for the past, uh, God knows how long, 30 years, Viktor Orban has always been a fascist. It's not Mm -hmm. a surprise, but it didn't bother most of the American media. But now that he is agreeing to deals with China and he's not voting as a bloc, they are suddenly worried about, oh, my God, Viktor Orban is a fascist. So we already see some cracks in Poland and um, uh, Hungary within the, I guess, the idea of the unified Europe. Um, why are these cracks coming and what is the economic basis for it? The economic uh, basis for this kind of, uh, the rise of these kind of monuments? Yeah, this kind of crack, cracks in the European Union. Like there is some instability right now. Like they, they're having problems with certain countries. And I already, I'm saying that we already see some of the instability. So what's going on? Yeah, that's quite simple to, to, to explain. Uh, we have to think what means uh, capitalism. 
most of the people think that capitalism is production. Then we go to the market um, to sell something, your product or services, and then you monetize your your benefits, your profits, your, your yourself. But that's not true. That is not capitalism. Capitalism means that I need, I monetize the futures uh, products or services profits. Basically, I'm going to the bank, I take the money, then I produce something, I'm going to the market, I sell, and I uh, pay my debt and invest the rest of the money to follow this uh, eternal chain. That is capitalism. But what happened with the capitalism? It's very fast system. You can transform the reality, producing uh, goods and services very fast because you don't need to have the money to produce something. Money is a debt, it's created by, by banks for nothing. Uh, in the in the in the last resort is the Europe is the central bank, but that is a very unstable system too. Because what happened if I try to do something and in the middle of the chain I have a problem, I can't sell anything, I can produce something. It's because the capitalism is a very uh, unstable economical system. How we resolve this kind of problems? Well, that's the the, uh, the the new green deal and the Keynesian ideas mm-hmm. invent. It was the uh, central bank and the treasurer as the last resort. Basically, is uh, money is uh, you want something that is only the confidence of people in in something that is money mm-hmm. because the central bank apparently is plenty of gold or whatever. It's this kind of relationship between the people and the central bank. You have faith in the central bank, and uh, the state have to invest money, have to spend money, spend money, spend money until you resolve this that problem. Money. Uh, where come from for the central bank? It's just a, it's a, it's a step, it's a notation of the debt. It's yeah. just a number. It's just a number now in a computer. Uh, but if you have a real treasure, how invest money if you have any treasure for each country? You need to know how to do that. You, you need to do, to do that in an equilibrium, in a balance. And secondly, we don't have really European Central Bank as a lender of last resort. We have for the moment, but we don't know in the future. That means that if you have a crisis, uh, economy will stop because uh, the lackness of confidence in the system. And that's basically move capital to the center of the area that is Germany or to America. That is the honor of the world currency, the most important world currency. Ah, that's why America supports. Okay, this makes sense now. And um, so one real crisis, one of the biggest crises for the euro was the Greek debt crisis. How did that happen and what did they do to resolve it? To resolve that is a very simple question. It's a political question. If you, have, if you want to have a money, you need a country. You need an, an state. It's so simple because money is the creation of an state. It's something public. Mm-hmm. It's not something private. Why dollar is important? Because have the Federal Reserve um, and the USA as the, the confidence of the USA is, is, is a soul. This idea that it's possible to have a private money as Bitcoin or whatever, is a stupidity. That's an, that is only a medium of pay of payment, but it's no money. Money represents that you have something that could have value in the future. And without a metal or whatever, it's just a confidence in the market. It's a confidence in the future. It's a confidence in that you are part of a political community. And that's the principal uh, question that the European Union has to resolve. We want to be part of the same political community or not? And that's a problem in a country with a large number of languages, cultures, uh, too many wars um, <laughs> together. And that's the principal problem that we have to face. 
It's a political question, so simple as like, like this. It's not a technical question, not at all. For the other way, when we speak about the situation of the United States, we have to understand two things. United States have two positions in face of the euro. One was the beginning when they think, oh, I don't want to have a new world currency competing with me. That's basically can explain the first Iraq war when the dictator Saddam Hussein announced that he will send the petrol in, in euros. That represents a problem for, that represents a very problem for the Federal Reserve, for, for the USA, because that represents half a competition, a real world currency in competition. Um, but now they are, they are changing their, their, their mind because uh, the command market, the European market is so big that have this kind of uh, economy basically prepare for, the for a perpetual uh, instability, create problem for the global trade. And this is because the Americans now have a position more in favor to reform the European Union because their fear of the European Union is creating instability in the global economy, at the global economy. Has Portugal or Spain recovered after the last crisis around 2009? Or what has, mm -hmm. how has uh, both of their economies changed? Very good question. We don't recover really of that, uh, of that economy. For example, the Spanish economy became the second export economy in Europe, but basically because we transfer an economy in a services economy. The dependency, for example, in, in tourism is absolutely incredible. That's the reason because with the pandemic, we suffer most of any uh, European economy because uh, basically tourists stop it and we don't have uh, visitors in Spain. What happens? Apparently, with the economic numbers, we are in a better situation. But the reality is the real economy that means to have a good education, good healthcare system, uh, good pension, etc., are deteriorating very seriously. So, well, in microeconomics point of view, you can say, no, we are better. But the reality is we have a light economy and with a, a strong dependency of sports and tourism. And you have to see that we don't have a, a fight and an important technology. So that means basically that you work for, you do sports with, because you have low prices. Mm -hmm. um, that is deteriorating, the, is deteriorating the, the, service, the public services that uh, represent the real quality of life of people. For example, when you go before to a doctor in our healthcare system that was um, quite well, uh, you have uh, between your, your call to have a date, um, your visit to the doctor, uh, a medium of three, four days, the first uh, visit. And then if you have to go to a specialist for at least two, three weeks. Now, probably you need for first visit uh, at least uh, through two or three weeks. And for to, for to go to an specialist, I speak because my mother uh, have to visit an, an specialist, uh, needs uh, four, five or six months in advance. So what happened? Uh, that means uh, the quality of life, the quality of our healthcare is deteriorating seriously. The quality of life is deteriorating every day. Why? Because we still with austerity policies and we are still without real investment because the obsession of the European Union is maintaining the price of the money, is maintaining the inflation low. Even the European Central Bank is very conscious. It's the only, I think, European institution really consciously about what is the real situation. It's even creating, try to create an inflation of 2%, but it wasn't possible. Basically, money go to speculative markets and the real economy is, wasn't working. It's, it's, it's not working. 
they are no confidence in, in the future, no confidence in investments. And that is a problem around Europe. What happened now? What the situation has changed a little bit? Well, Germany has a problem. During the first uh, crisis that began in 2007, uh, Germany had the chance that the uh, Germany economy was very um, tied with China economy in a good sense. Basically, the rest of European countries, we, are, we sell what we call goods of consume. Germany created or made products of invest, investments. Basically, ah. we, do, we do cars and they call uh, factory of cars. That was the, that because the European, the uh, German economy the, is so hard and so important for, for sports because they, they, they created factories. But now China is, uh, is a real competitor in these kind of things. So Germany have a problem in that uh, don't have a China market as a place to sell factories because China now is creating, making factories of everything, ah. chemistry or whatever. That's the reason because Germany is trying to change the ideas, trying to come back to Europe, to think in Europe in another way, but have a problem. You have the strength right after years and decades of uh, austerity, so big to do that. So that's the real situation. Germany now needs change, but uh, they, uh, they created a monster of a Frankenstein, the strength right along Europe. So it's possible to change now, it's too late. We don't know, but that's the situation. And uh, can you talk a little bit about what happened a little after the crisis? So in Spain, they had to enact austerity measures, like they had to cut pensions and wages and things like that. Like, how did that affect everyone? Absolutely. Basically, basically, the, the, uh, with the exception of, of um, a little bit uh, Italy, because they have that in our banking system, the rest of the, uh, what we call the Fisitarian European countries have a big debt in French and German, uh, especially in German banks. So basically uh, the political, the uh, austerity policies was absolutely crazy because they, that they want is the devolution of the debt. The financial system in Germany, uh, especially in Germany, in, Fr- in, in France too, was near to the limit of the debt. So they want that um, the main objective of the, the main goal of the European deficitarian economy was pay the debt. Basically, it's quite simple to understand why this debt process was produced. It wasn't a public debt, it was a private debt. It's quite simple. I have the peseta, then I have the euros, the capacity of the obtained debt, obtained loans. In euro was so big than in pesetas because the euro apparently was so strong. So the, the Fistarian economies um, increased the private debt. What happened? They want uh, their money back. Ah. And that's explaining the austerity policies. Why in France and Germany don't have the same kind of idea? Well, Germany have a solution for their economy. They are still export, uh, doing exports to China. The economy China imports these kind of products that the uh, German economy produce. Uh, basically, what we call investment goods, uh, factories, uh, technology to do factories, in, in chemistry, in engineering, in whatever because uh, they have a high technological um, economy. But uh, this situation, that situation has changed. France still has the CFA zone, like they have the control of about 14 African countries, which Spain doesn't <laughs> anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, France have, uh, uh, the, the, the European banking system uh, have the depth of the rest of the country, but uh, the economy of France 
is an economy uh, of internal consume. They don't have this, the sport that Germany have, with the exception of the military complex in France. That's the only exception. And that's what they export to Africa. That makes sense. Exactly, exactly. Dan explained the uh, the intervention, the interventions of uh, the policy, the French, the French, the French policy in Africa, etc. Or, for example, when you now probably you heard a lot about the, the future uh, military army, European military army, the uh, new uh, European army, is tied is related with this um, idea of France to uh, produce export to the rest of the of the world or the rest in that case of Europe uh, because France is uh, have a high technology but in military in in the military ah. fields not Germany Germany needs now is back into Europe because China is no more uh, so interesting market so have to in, try to protect the European market and France have um, his in, its interest but basically the creation of a European army It's something very good for the French economy because they have a high technology for the military point of view. That can explain this kind of policies. It's not, it's not criticized for criticized. I don't see that it's good or bad. This what is happening. It's reality. It's a description, you know? Well, trying to consolidate all of our debts via an IMF loan wasn't my best plan, as it turns out. Help us out by buying our podcast exports to cover this month's liens. So... Go to historically.substack.com and subscribe today. Also, check us out on YouTube and Twitch with Late Nights with Lennon. Get commentary and trolling from 100 years ago by the absolute master of the form and see how little has changed. It is what is to be done. And now expanding into a lot of places in Latin America and Africa and eventually maybe some places in Europe. So how exactly will the Belt and Road Initiative uh, interact with the European Union? And what do you predict? Uh, in relation with Latin America? No, with European Union. Like China's, uh, okay, right now they're not actually targeting the European Union. Will there be a conflict between the European Union and China or not really? Mm, good questions. Uh, you have to think two things. First of all, the European continent doesn't exist. Yeah. We have only one continent, Eurasia. <laughs> It's something that Europeans usually don't, don't, don't uh, forget, usually. We usually forget, sorry. Uh, but uh, that's a reality. China has a problem that we call, you know, it's, um, they have to control the China Sea. That's uh, difficult because Americans um, are in Taiwan, mm -hmm. this area, etc. Don't they want to have a, a market in Europe? But what happened? Europe is part of the Western countries. That's a problem for China. So China was trying to do it in Latin America. Do you remember when I told you that um, America, USA, invest money in Japan and Europe to have two uh, auxiliary areas of, uh, of dollar? Yeah. They try to do the same. They have something similar in, in their mind. They try to, to think in the future, what happened in the future. Uh, they remain become a world currency. For the moment, it's not possible, but they are thinking in the future. They, have to, they want to have a position in South America for the same reasons that America chose uh, Germany and Japan because they are in face of their enemy. In that case, the communism. Uh, in what part? Russia and the other part, China. So what is the point of view, a strategic point of view for a competition with USA? It's South America because South America is a natural resources uh, land for USA economy. For lithium, etc. Yeah. 
So China tried to compete in, in Latin America. For example, you study what happened in Venezuela, independently of what is your opinion from the ideological point of view, you have to think why China and USA are competing in, the, in that country as a, you want, as a new Cold War. In, in Europe, what happened? Europe uh, have had to resolve two situations before. First of all, Russia. That is the crucial question in Europe. We are not facing the possibilities with China or the problem with China. We are thinking about Russia, and that's the principal problem that we have. Why? Because the dependency of, from the energy point of view, energetic point of view, of Germany is so important. So we think more, uh, uh, when America tried to, what you know, the sanctions, the uh, financial sanctions against, against Russia because the Ukrainian, um, the, the Ukrainian problem, etc. Russia uh, make a joint venture, a new strategic uh, relationship with China. They, do that, they did that. Uh, Mr. Putin did that. And now Europe have um, energetic uh, 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 gas uh, dependency, especially from um, from um, for Germany, for Germany, the pipeline exactly to to Russia. So that's the obsession of Europe to do an army to compete with Russia to have an, a more a more horizontal uh, relationship with China uh, with sorry with Russia. What to do it? Um, America uh, have their interest in this kind of relationship. By the way, in the south of Europe, in Algeria. We have uh, who deliver gas in Spain, and we have a second problem. Morocco became every most cr- a closer partnership of America, even uh, Trump administration. We don't know what happened with the administration of the new president of the United States. Recognize the Sahara that was an ex-colony of Spain mm-hmm. as part of Morocco. This is against the a resolution of the United Nations and Algeria, who su- which uh, the country who support. Uh, the uh, Sahara Freedom um, Forces, they will cut the uh, delivery of gas to Morocco. Part of that gas uh, go to Spain. And we have now only the dependency of, of one pipeline, so gas pipeline between uh, the coast of Almeria and the of Spain um, and, and Algeria. So, for example, it's a good opportunity for Algeria. But, um, and, it's, and the economy of the south of Europe, basically Italy and Spain. But we have to think that uh, our country are not uh, industrialized uh, after the crisis of the 2007. Uh, we are just economy of services, with the exception of the north of Italy. Um, um, the question is, what happened with Russia? China now is a problem so far. For Europe, we have a problem. It's the next uh, winter in Germany, um, uh, in Poland, and the rest of countries. Obviously, we have to completely transform the entire philosophy of the European Union, but why does it need to compete that way? Like, is there like a better way possible? <laughs> Ooh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. I have a confidence in, in democracy. What we need is more democracy. If we have an European Union, it have to be a democracy European Union. If we want to come back to national sovereignties, mm-hmm. okay, it's, it's possible to, but the situation now is, is the worst possibilities that we have. We have an elitist and establishment doing rules what will happen in the rest of countries. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's not a solution of everything. Just the, is the, I'm going to explain in another way. What happened with the um, famous republic in Germany before the Second World War? The Weimar. It crashed. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It was the, the president of the Spanish uh, constitution in, during the, our republic. The Weimar state, that was so, uh, they tried to create a welfare state, etc., was um, crashes because the scarcity um, policy. 
basically because they have to pay the debts of the First World War. We are in a situation quite simple with scarcity, uh, money scarcity, austerity policies in Europe represent uh, 70s and represent uh, any kind uh, of fascism. Neo-fascism, you can, you can call that populism or whatever, but basically are the same ideas. Racism, uh, hate to other people, to other religion, to other nationalities, immigrant as a problem, never as a solution, etc. That's what is happening in Europe. Europe needs to resolve this dilemma um, as soon as possible because um, we don't want to repeat the mistake of the 20th, uh, the 20th uh, century, as you know, one of the most horrible. I have a question. Um, okay, so uh, this might seem a little conspiratorial, but since you brought up the First World War debts, um, to me, it seems like Britain, France, and the U.S. were more worried about Germany as a competitor to their industry. So the Treaty of Versailles seems more like a way to stop Germany from industrializing rapidly than actually stop a military buildup. Am I right in this or wrong? But you say now at present. No, no, no. In the, the World War One Treaty of Versailles, to me, it seems like the way they put the debts on Germany, it seems like it mm-hmm. was a, like a way to stop Germany from... They saw Germany as an industrial competitor as opposed to like a military... I'm very influenced for a for a for a book, the ideas of a, a Belgian Canadian uh, historian who wrote a book called The Good War. Uh-huh. The ideas of this of this uh, historian, I don't know if you know him. It's very interesting his uh, his books, his ideas. He said that we have uh, our something very complex where we have different um, you want tables, you want different interests to resolve. It's true that one of the, the problems of the of the that war was the geopolitical problems between the Anglo-Saxon capitalism and the German capitalism. But if you see what happened with the support of America elites, the establishment of elite as um, Henry Ford, for example, um, even the British elite, they are a BBC uh, documentary very interesting about this camp, Banking with Hitler, I recommend everyone. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, they explain how the, the principal problem of the elite was the democratizing of the societies. Mm. We have to think that he, he think that uh, First World War was an, um, an, an, an intent to stop the possibility of worker revolution demanding democracy. Because when somebody goes to a war, you can't stop a revolution. Uh, you, you know that uh, the work movement tried to stop the war they trying to maintain their international solidarity. But basically, people respond to the call of the nation to go to a war. But uh, Second World War was quite similar. In the opinion of this um, historian, part of the elite of the Stalin in USA and UK are interested in a war between Germany and uh, Russia. Why? In Russia, um, uh, they were Soviet revolution. It was a communist uh, society, another model, an alternative uh, model of economy. And Germany represents a, a competitor. So have a war between two countries was so, so interesting for the Western powers. You know, he, he, he says something very interesting. Basically, the narrative of the of the beginning of the relation war between Germany and, and France and, 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 and UK was the invention of Poland. 
But uh, his opinion is, wasn't the invasion of Poland, but the agreement between the Soviet Union and Germany. Do you know the ideas of Mackinder about the uh, ideas of without Atlantic power is necessary that the land that is represent more or less this part of the world have to be divided? But basically, uh, he understood that what what he happened, and basically for Western countries, this war, uh, I insist, is a very complicated question. It's not simple, but to try to understand, uh, was a, a war that. Um, destroy the capacity of the communists, uh, the, the model, so the, the communist model in Soviet Union, in Russia, um, in the possibility of communist revolution in Germany. You have to think about the Bavarian revolution in Germany. Ah, because that makes sense, because in 1918, they came very close to having one. Exactly, exactly. So, War and fascism, the rise of the fascism, the Nazism, etc., represent the opportunity for the elites to stop uh, the possibilities of um, socialist or communist revolution and at the same time try to divide, implementing the ideas of Mackinder, divide that part of the world. Uh, try that uh, the economy of Russia and the economy of Germany don't have any complementation. You have to think that is similar to the situation that we have. Because basically, the European Union, uh, what we speak of the European Union, basically Germany and the center of Europe, is a very industrialized uh, area without energy. And then we have a continent, and Russia is, with a lot of consumers, but without, uh, not very industrialized, with the exception of the army, mm-hmm. the military uh, resources, and with a lot of energy. So uh, these Mackinder ideas, I think are on the table again, and then explain, for example, the conflict in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, look at what could happen in in, in in Belarusia or even in the in the republics, the Baltic republics. This idea of Mackinder, I think, are in the in the mind of the strategies of the Pentagon or or, or whatever. Um, probably in the other side, exactly in the same time, for the same reasons, you know. Yeah, so it seems like to me what you're saying is that what socialism is essentially is having a very democratic system. So it's either socialism, as Rosa Luxemburg says, it seems like you're telling us that it's either socialism or barbarism. <laughs> that, that we have to change the world for a more democratic world where we share resources in a better way. And the mm-hmm. union too. Is that what your conclusion? Well, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. The question is if the people think or not. The ah. elites have heard about that. That's, that's possibility, you know? The revolution was a possibility, so they need to stop it. It's, uh, um, that's, that's what happened, in my opinion. It's a conflict between... So it'll be a forever conflict between the will of the people and the will of the elite? Exactly. It's what will happen. In my opinion, what, what could be the future? I think we have to move our capitalism to a more social capitalism. Basically, we have to move to the socialism system. That's, mm-hmm. that's true, but, I, 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 but have to be a demo, uh, we have to resolve the problem of the uh, centralization, this idea of the dictatorship of proletariat, that I don't think they are real ideas even of Marx, uh, pardon. I think uh, that was a part of the process. I think we have to move our economy in a more socialist way, but uh, without renounce to the uh, liberal uh, liberal institution, a parliament, etc. We have to take time to do that. But I think in the future, we are going to transform an economy in a more organized and central economy. Even that could be possible because the new uh, technologies, the intelligence artificial, etc., etc., give the opportunity to um, do a, a more sophisticated 
planification of the economy. But look at what happened in the American economy, apparently a liberal country. The economy of the United States is a planif- uh, have plans. The Pentagon, the industrial uh, weapon um, complex, uh, is um, part of the of the American economy uh, because the Pentagon decided to to build new weapons or whatever. Even internet is a is the ARPANET uh, ARPANET invention. You know, it was a military history. I think we are this idea of the neoliberals idea are not part of the real liberalism that Adam Smith, for example, have a, a sentence very interesting when five entrepreneurs are in the same table, they are conspiring against the market. I think that's true. Um, I don't believe that the, the liberal ideas and the socialist idea are so, so enemies. I think just it's more a transformation. Another thing as the interest of the people. But uh, the real liberalism, I don't think, are against the communities or against the, the law, against the idea of the sovereignty of the people. And socialists try to do that's true. That's the only possible, it's true that they have different point of views. But I think if that is possible, the reconciliation of these ideas try to, to work together. Yeah, and the problem are not, the, those ideas is more the elite, uh, uh, elite uh, behaviors, you know, the establishment, the idea to control everything what happened in a country because in my country, People is just part of the public. It's not something serious, and that um, we have to face the new uh, technologies, um, revolution, etc. From the, the people's point of view. Okay, one last question. Um, in Spain, we have a little bit of the far right, the vac populi. Um, what? Uh, do you have any ideas of like any what caused uh, the resurgence in Spain of like the far right? <laughs> or was it always there, but they're just more vocal now? Or is it did they resurge? Well, I think uh, Spain is facing a big transformation because, uh, well, basically, as a tourist country, mm-hmm. yes, it's impossible that 40 million people, 38 million people have a future in our society. So what happened? We have to transform the basis of our democracy. During the 19th century was the time that the capitalism produced a pact, you want a, a transformation of the country, but basically is in a, in a pact, in, a, in an agreement between what we call the oil, is the economy of the south of Spain, basically big lands with uh, agricultural production, one very important is oil, the, the, the grains in the center of the, of the peninsula, and then we have the industry in Catalonia and Basque Country was, was an export uh, industry, uh, in, industry. It was dedicated to export to, to the rest of Europe. That is part of what we call the restoration. It was the 19th century democracy in Spain, the idea of the coup the state against the republicans was uh, maintained this kind of path. What happened is that Franco took the power and then they, they, they tried to transform the, the economy in a more fascist way. But the elite wasn't really, really fascist. They want to continue in this kind of economy, in this kind of path. Uh, business as usual, oil, uh, grains in the center, um, industry in, in Basque Country um, and Catalonia. And now I think that's uh, finished because the globalization. The constitution of 1978 represented the same kind of uh, elite. Basically, the Socialist Party is, and they have the hegemony in the sur, in the south of Spain and the Conservative Party in the center of Spain. But both countries need to, to go to, to, to create a government, the support of the, the, the Basque or Catalonian nationalists. So basically, you can see this disagreement between the elite, uh, the oil, you, the lander, the agrarian lander in the south, 
the, the grains, the cereal in the in the center and the, the industry in Basque Country and Catalonia. But globalization has transformed this thing. And that is what happened in Spain. Uh, Catalonia is no more an industrialized, an industrialized economy. You go to the streets of Barcelona, beautiful uh, city, of course, but it's plenty of tourists, no more textile industry, ah. no more textile uh, factories. You go to Bilbao, it's the same, it's plenty of tourists. It's no, so this transformation of the economy uh, has transformation on, on demand, a transformation of the list, of the establishment. Um, of course, Part of the Stalin one transformation, a small part of the entrepreneurs, etc. But part, part of the elite, um, they want to still, um, as business as social, they don't want to change. Um, I think that the extreme right in Spain is produced for this kind of people to try to limit the possibilities of transformation in our country. Because what happened with this, um, this political force? Well, this political force is in competition with the conservative party. So the conservative party is seeing every time a more conservative position. Oh. Um, you know, and, and, and they try to do this kind of, of game, you know, in Spain, try to stop it, to, to limit any transformation in the country. And that's, uh, I think, is the role that Elisa are doing with this, uh, with this uh, political party. It's true that um, with the atmosphere of the, for example, uh, Trump ideas that support this kind of uh, political forces, etc. But um, I think that's the reality the, 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 of this. That is the real game. But because you think it's difficult that task people to obtain the, the power in the in the country. Even the Conservative Party is obsessed with the with the finish of this party because it represents a problem in Euro. Imagine the Conservative Party needs an extreme right party to obtain the, to do a government. Mm-hmm. That is a problem for the European Union because uh, one thing is a small country in Europe, another thing is uh, the third uh, economy in the Euro uh, with a minister of the extreme right, you know? That is not respectable for the people. That is not part of our, ah. uh, the, the, what we want to create it, you know? So I think that um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game it's a, of the, the establishment of the Spanish story, try to stop uh, our limit the democracy demands of the people. The people, what they want is uh, sustain our healthcare system, um, jobs in quality, no more um, an economy um, with a big dependency of the same, tourism and tourism and tourism. I don't have nothing because there's tourism, I want to say. Uh, I, 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 but any economy needs to have difference uh, uh, possibility. Just curious, how much is tourism? Like what percentage of the GDP do you think tourism is? Directly is uh, I think it's a fifteen of the GDP directly, but indirectly is is uh, quite big because uh, part of the tourism is part of what we call the dark economy, the economy that is uh, out of the law, you know, apartments, mm, ah. uh, jobs, etc. We call that in we call I don't like the word, but um, I'm gonna try to explain. I'm gonna to use just for explaining the black economy. I don't like of course this this kind of word, you know, but for try to. The informal economy, I guess. Th- that makes sense. Um, well, thank you so much for coming. Um, and what are you working on next? Um, are you working on any books, articles, research? Yeah, I work in two books. Uh, in, two, in two books, I, I'm going to publish my my first book. Uh, is uh, I spoke this morning with, this morning with the with the with the editorial um, Thomson Reuters. It's about the euro. Um, uh, now I want to finish this uh, course. Um, a, a book about the job guarantee in Europe, and I'm working seriously in a second book uh, about the financial globalization. When I'm going to try to explain basically a lot of things that we discussed today. 
Oh, amazing. Okay, well, you should come back when you release bo- either of those books. We- I love having you here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you very much. It's, it's my pleasure and an honor share this moment with you and your um, and the rest of the public. Okay, well, have a good rest of the day. Hasta luego. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Music for this show is done by Rectex. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W-R-E-C-K-T-E-C-H. And thank you for listening to our show.